Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. That was all right then, wasn't it? Hello and welcome to the Pro Wrestling Show. Will Gavin, we've got John Jackson in his pants in bed. We've got Al McCarthy. Well, he might also be in his pants in bed, but he's in Las Vegas. That's the most important thing, where last night he attended an event which might just change the future of wrestling. AEW's Double or Nothing. We're going to break down the card. We're going to hear from Chris Jericho, Hangman Page, and Tony Khan talking about the UK pay-per-view all coming up on the Pro Wrestling Show. Are you listening to the Pro Wrestling Show? If you weren't following us already, it'd be weird if you were listening to the podcast and didn't, but go do follow the Twitter and Instagram and everything because Al was popping off some fantastic content from inside the arena. We've got lots of interviews that we're doing. There's still another day of StarCast, which Al's off to shortly, where I'm sure he'll be getting some more stuff. So for all your AEW needs, head right there to at Pro Wrestle Show. This is the Pro Wrestling Show in association with TalkSport and, of course, with Al out in uh, Las Vegas, our friends at Wrestling Travel. Uh, John and Al are both with us. Hello, boys. How are we doing? Hello, William. Are you okay, my friends? <laughs> Sounds like two very cheery <laughs> human beings. Wonderful. I just want to point out, I'm wearing trousers. Get over yourself. Thanks, mate. I appreciate it. I ge- I'm genuinely glad that you put your, your trousers on for us. You just imagine me wearing pants at all times. At, at almost all times, yeah. 100%. Uh, look, we're going to, in this show, as I say, we're going to hear from Hangman Page, we're going to hear from Chris Jericho, we're going to hear from Tony Khan talking about the UK expansion. Uh, we're going to break down the card, we're going to talk about the impact, we're going to talk about, you know, Moxley turning up, we're going to talk about, well, not just, uh, in fact, it wasn't the only surprise of the night, was it, Brett uh, Hart turning up, we had Awesome Kong turning up, uh, all unexpected. We had the match of the night coming out of one of the matches, which maybe I didn't have any expectations could come close to that. Uh, and yeah, all around the real thriller and yes there were some teething issues and there were some things to discuss and i'm maybe not as ready as as some people on the internet to give it 10 out of 10 or five stars quite yet but it was probably the most promising debut of a wrestling show in living memory at least um I, i'm really intrigued with the show today because john and i obviously watched it at home on the old itv box office but but al was there and i'm really intrigued to see how we feel differently about it having watched the presentation with the commentary and everything that came with it versus the atmosphere in the arena because al it's fair to say it was uh, it was popping off in there Oh, it was unbelievable atmosphere. There's no doubt about that. It was, well, however, however the many thousand fans uh, was actually claimed 20,000, if you believe Cody Rhodes and his jest. <laughs> um, but it was 
really in unison where literally the entire arena was locked into the action, which I can't always say I've experienced with a WWE event. Now, I don't want to get into the whole comparison on every level because I just don't really think that's what it deserves to be. They're kind of two separate things, uh, although under the same genre. Um, For me, AEW, and Jericho said this in his own words in his scrum yesterday, is aimed to the more in and around 30-year-old male audience, I would, you know, and females, I guess, but it's more of that, I don't, you know, I don't want to call it the Attitude Era, but that kind of tone. They, they obviously want um, to bring the lapsed fan back as part of their idea. It's, it's not just to go and steal current WWE fans and they offer, they talk no. about being an alternative and everything, but it, it's clear that the lapsed fan as well as the new fan are some of the markets they're aiming at. And, you know, there was a huge amount of last night that while it felt fresh for what we're used to recently, felt very much like a throwback at the same time. Look, WWE, I I think, are directed a lot into and and shackled in some ways in the kind of content they produce by their sponsors, networks, partners, shareholders. AEW can do whatever they like, okay? If they want to have blood, if they want people to take headshots from various weapons or even bringing back pyro, things of that nature, right? Whatever AEW want to do, they can do because at the end of the day, it's it's Tony Khan's project. He doesn't answer to anyone but himself. Um, Yes, they have TV partners coming up, but all of that seems to be under Tony Khan's uh, guidance. You know, certainly the driving force and... He's got everything that he wants. And, and thus, they were able to put on a product that a lot of people have missed. Um, you know, and, and you can tell that by including the veteran stars like they did, like Dustin Rhodes, like Jericho, both of whom delivered, you know, especially for Dustin Rhodes, matches are in living memory. It's got to be their best match. So um, I think the card as a whole just felt fresher, not necessarily because it wasn't something that hasn't ever happened before, but um, for a lot of fans, it, it reminded them of what is great about pro wrestling. You know, if you take blood out of the Rhodes Brothers match, is it as impactful? So I think there, there is a place for these kind of things in wrestling, but in small doses, I would say. Yeah, and there is also a history of when wrestlers book wrestling it doesn't, the balance isn't always there. And it was, you know, I, I'm going to say, I'll say now, look, I, I'll be the, even though I feel incredibly overwhelmingly positive for the most part about last night, I'll sit and I'll be the kind of the devil's advocate and the, and the negative force to, to give the other side of it today quite happily. But, you know, the fact that there was some form of blading or bleeding in three or four matches in total felt like it was maybe a little overbooked, like the, the Well, well uh, let's, let's, let's interrupt there and say Omega obviously wasn't meant to happen no 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 but, but prior I, to that, I take your point otherwise but yeah yeah prior to that um and and, and look and, and the fact that you know I, as much as i enjoyed the focus on tag wrestling i thought there were at least two absolute bangers in there from a tag perspective there was still well we're going to go through it match by match but yeah there was stuff in there that made me think look there there are some some potential potential for what could turn into bad habits in there and hopefully it was just a case of first show so there's not a lot of storyline behind some of the stuff and so they used spots and those kind of things to to up the drama and up the tension because you notice uh john you're, you're someone who watched it last night the matches that i think got the most play from the kind of twitter audience the television audience the the audience reacting at home were those three or four matches around the headline which all had a real storyline to them 
Yeah, definitely. I think, I mean, I was certainly more invested in those. Uh, it's it's a tricky one. I was I was doing the, the traditional watching wrestling in the UK. Can I get a five minute sleep in here? Can I get a fifteen minute <laughs> sleep in here? Um, and actually, in the matches I was planning on doing that, and the the, the one was the um, the women's tag team match with um, some of the what were they called? The Joshi match. Down. Yeah, yeah I, I, that was one I was thinking, you know what, I can get 10 minutes here. And then it started and I was like, oh, and I like this. And then I just covered and watching it. And then I didn't sleep at all in the end. I just sort of I watched it through. So as much as I, I sort of approached it thinking I'd be watching, you know, the, the, the obvious ones with the stories. Actually, I just enjoyed watching some sort of some wrestling that reminded me of the kind of wrestling you'd watch on the independence. Uh, some of the wrestling that. I don't know, just as you say, it's a little bit of a throwback to the Attitude Era, but just things that are just different. I just enjoyed the fact it was looked like the same kind of thing. You know, it's an arena, it's got a ramp and it's got a ring and it's everything set up, but it's not what we've been served for the last few years. And that was good. What, That's what while, I liked about it. While we're giving overall thoughts as well, I, I think it is... Kind of interesting uh, to say that. Uh, well, we'll talk about the presentation itself in the mo uh, in a moment. But when I look at the, the the way the kind of everything was laid out, the way that the matches worked, the time given, the finishes, everything about it, what was exciting to me because somebody said it may have even been one of you two that they can't remember matches as good as the matches they saw last night in WWE, say in the last year or so. You know, I think outside of maybe Cody Dustin, there was nothing as an individual match which was better than, at least, if not level two, if not slightly worse than, say, Rollins' AJ Styles from a couple of weeks ago, but it's the consistent quality. It's the fact that for four-plus hours they kept my attention without there being, like you were just saying, a toilet break match, a clear lull match. There were maybe one or two that slipped down to three stars, and you're like, that's fine. A three-star match in the middle of a pay-per-view is not a problem. Thank you very much. I, I thought the entire card was very entertaining. There wasn't one match that I, you know, and, and there was a lot of talent that I wasn't overly familiar with, and yet by the end of their matches, I really was. I thought Trent Beretta... And, and Chuck Taylor uh, had a great outing against Excalibur and uh, Jack Evans. You know that, that uh, was and, match and Helico really... and Jack Ele- Evans. Excalibur was on the older. Uh, oh, sorry. Comms. Yeah. Just sorry. make it. Just double checking. <laughs> on that. On that point, by the way, before I continue there, I didn't obviously get to listen to the commentary, but I hear that Excalibur was maybe the one who was doing best uh, out of the trio from from serious people can you both give me some insight there so like okay let's let's get into the presentation because i'm intrigued to find out al what it was like there but let's start off with what it was like at home and and john just give my impression of the commentary team i think that it started weak and got a lot stronger as it went along i think it'll take time to establish chemistry if they're to stick with the kind of three-man team if i were to kind of assign roles to them i think you know, JR in the earlier matches, and it was particularly clear in like the Joshi match or in the, the four way women's match or the best friends Jack Evans Angelico match, when he's not got familiarity with the stories and with the characters and the individuals, he wasn't able to give it the usual JR oomph. But when he was involved in the Rhodes brothers, in the tag match, in the head, in the main event, all of those, he ramped it up to full-on classic JR, and I think that's how I'd lo- I'd rather see him used. Almost is as the main main event guy. I think if I was to assign roles to them as like 
they were at their best when Alex Marvez was being the kind of play-by-play, JR was being the big moment guy, and what was great with Excalibur, he felt a little out of his depth early, but settled into it because of his PWG links. He knew everyone. He knew what their backgrounds were. He could fill you in on it. Like you say, if you don't know those performers, it's really nice to have an expert voice there giving you that. John, any thoughts? John? Have we lost John? (laughs) John? Hello? Hello? (laughs) There he is. Hey, buddy. (laughs) Hey, man. I'd lent on mute. I'd lent on mute. I was just enjoying (laughs) listening to our podcast. Um, What I was going to say... So you, you didn't hear me muttering yes while you were talking then like, and agreeing with you, so that's good. Um, what I was saying is that, yeah, like Al, I wasn't familiar with a lot of the people and I did feel that I didn't, that didn't, and at, at no point did I think I needed to look them up, which I think is probably a testament to how the commentary worked. Um, you're totally right about JR. I thought that, I mean, there is a certain way that JR says Chris Jericho, which is just like, you know, it just, <laughs> it's, the, it's the way you say Chris Jericho. Um there was some there was some slightly um strange um of twenty nineteen comments which I know that a lot of people have picked up on. Um the cookies in the kitchen was the one. Um other than that, it was it was okay. Um JR did struggle in those matches where he didn't know the people and it, it did sound a bit like I think I texted you one and said, I'm I'm worried, is is JR losing it? But it wasn't that he was losing it. It's that as you've hit the nail on the head. It's that familiarity. He just that was the bit that was missing from his usual shtick. Um, there's a few things about the presentation of the actual thing that uh, I, I think it's unfair to criticise, but obviously they were noticed, and that was the fact that they were a little unsure about what was coming up next at one point, and uh, like Jr. had a running order in his hand, and it was kind of a bit slapdash. Also, in terms of like the camera work, they kept showing the wrong runway. Like, did you see that? I, I, Al wouldn't have seen this, I suppose. But when no. people were coming from different sides of that the, of the ramp, there was about three or four times where the cameraman sort of did a nice pan up to the completely the wrong ramp, and then suddenly had to turn around. And oh yeah, there's Cody Rhodes. It was. It was strange, but, I mean, obviously that's just a technical thing that will get ironed out, I'm sure. Yeah, and, and that was, a lot of it felt like stuff that can be ironed out. And you have to say the overall television presentation quality was very high. It wasn't WWE slick as anything high, you know. They missed a couple of spots where camera work wasn't quite right. They, uh, like John said, they had a few issues with the ramp, etc. There, there were little bits and pieces that, with your nitpicking, you could say, you know, that that's where they'll need to improve. But when we're talking about the quality of an in-ring product, if that's what we're concerned with, I think that actually shows quite well for them overall. Well, when you look at WWE sometimes and they do like 10,000 camera cuts in two minutes, um, you know, there's no, there's no perfect way to do it, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, But you're right. There there will be, you know, it's it's the first show. There is going to be issues like that, I guess. I mean, for me in attendance, Obviously, it was just a, a case of watching the action and the entrances, and uh, it had the pyro and the light. I thought it was quite awesome. The, the light settings they did was different colours for different matches, kind of set moods. Um, and I also thought, I don't know how much of you guys saw of this back home, but they did like backstage skits and stuff that came up on the Titan Tron, which I also thought were well done and well produced. Very um, little of that on the TV coverage. Very, very uh, little well, of that. We got mostly well, when those things were happening, and you could often see them happening on the screens in the background. We were getting uh, JR and the guys 
talking about what was coming up before they cut to a video package. Um, and that was where sometimes, like John was saying, it fell over a little bit when they weren't sure what was coming up. Or I thought, like... The most embarrassing moment of the night, again, nitpicking. It was a great show, but when they didn't know who the Super Smash Bros were and you would have thought that was where our PWG friend would have come in and really helped them. But my bigger problem is, like, let's pull back the curtain. They know John Moxley's turning up. They know that it's very rare, and Vince does it quite a bit, it's very rare that they don't tip off at least your lead commentator so they can have something prepared. So someone must have been tipped off that they were going to be there, and it was all kind of like, who are these guys? I don't know. We don't really know where they're coming from. We don't really know what the angle is here. And it was all like, (laughs) then they were kind of talking over each other, and it was just a bit confused. I guess maybe that was their aim. Like whether it was obviously wrong in retrospect, but maybe that's what they wanted was a uh, a slice of mystery, as it were. But I mean, I mean, there was like obviously a portion of fans who did know who, who they were, which kind of killed the mystique <laughs> that they were looking for. I don't, I don't know. But I mean, to me, um, the video package backstage I thought were very well produced, funny. More importantly, um, that you know the couple of the young bucks and Omega. Um, they do comedy better than WWE have done in recent times. Um, I, you know, obviously it's a small portion to measure against, but if you take being the elite as well, it looks like they've transferred that quite nicely. And to me, most wrestling fans will enjoy that humour over the potty humour that WWE seems to come up with sometimes, uh, for want of a better term. So that's, that was kind of a promising start. But yeah, you know, for being there live, I really thought it was a well put together show. I can understand these issues from home you know, obviously I, I can't really speak to them unfortunately but before we get through match by match i just want to get your opinions on this and john i'll come to you first on the wwe baiting there were two or three very obvious examples there was what um there was what uh, was mentioned at the, the, at the top by al about the attendance that gag there yeah. was very obviously cody's entrance where He got the sledgehammer out, smashed the throne, which had the skulls and the cross (laughs) on the back, which was very Triple H. You know, subtle. Yeah, subtlety was not in a strong attendance at that point. Let's put it that Mm. way. Um, How how did everyone start with John? How did everyone kind of feel about those little bits? Considering you know they'd sold themselves as an alternative, not a competitor. Yeah, I I'm still undecided where I am with the throne. Um, I don't like that. They felt the need to have Pyro when he hit the throat. I know they had to make it look grander than it was, but that was like a magician. Um, was that not part of the gag, he... though, wasn't it? I think, because like part of the joke, I thought. Oh, maybe. Maybe I just missed it. Maybe, uh, yeah, I might have done. I was tired at this point. Um, <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think that the joking about attendances is just, it's, it's, I think in, in general, in society, people are sort of waking up and loving stuff that's actually real after, you know, Instagram generation where everything is faked and everything is filtered. It's quite nice that someone is just saying what everyone else is thinking. You know, everyone jokes about the attendances being sort of adjusted in, in different sports, especially, you know, WWE. Um, I think it's quite a good thing that, you know, they can joke about it and just make it go, oh, okay, they mentioned that, cool. Like, rather than sort of just skirting around it or having to be too subtle. Um, But yeah, I mean, that bit was all right, but the throne was just, it was a little bit weird. Um, There was something else that happened, and I'm trying to think what it was, and I'm thinking, well, that's obviously something that would never happen in WWE. Um, It wasn't the referee botch in that one match, because that happens in WWE quite a lot. Um, 
I can't remember what it was. If I think of it, I'll, I'll have a think. I'll uh, mind you. Uh, I mean, like references to belts and stuff. I know that's changed in WWE recently, but they're very, you know, as all the people are talking online today saying that they're calling them wrestlers, not sports entertainers and not, you know, um, superstars and all that. And they're just being more real about it. I like that. And, and look, yeah. I, I think what, what intrigues me about the balance is that you get Cody coming out and, and smashing a throne and, and doing all that kind of gag. And yet, when he was asked in the in the post press conference which you were at Al about um him and Dustin it was Kenny who asked it wasn't it Kenny McIntosh asked him like well obviously you never had that Wrestlemania match um, and there had been a lot of talk about that in the build up like well WWE didn't give them their moment now AEW are and he immediately went well actually no because I wanted to move on from uh, Dustin at that point I wanted the ladder match at Mania that was as much me as WWE so it's just funny how like they defend them in interviews but then do these little gimmicks I, I kind of I, I'm just a bit undecided on where they sit I guess I don't know. I, I think um, although they they take these jabs where they can get them, you know. First of all, I'll start by saying, in the it, at the inception of AEW at the beginning of this year, anybody you spoke to would say they wanted to just be an alternative. It's not a war. And then all of a sudden, in the last couple of weeks, it is like whether you like it or not. Like Jericho has said it in, in plain terms himself, the AEW are not skirting around the issue at all. They're they're, they're more than happy to, uh, to to fire shots. I, I'm with John in the sense that I thought. The attendance gag was 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 funny. You know, it's funny. It doesn't doesn't have to be a real vicious dig. I mean, that's quite a a well known wrestling. Yeah, thing. I, yeah. I guess you know, there's difference between taking a jokey little elbow nudge nudge wink wink pot shot and arranging an elaborate elaborate pyrotechnic yeah. stunt. And and that's where I was I was leading to really. Like for me, I was confused. I was like, is is Triple H the guy to be mad at here? Like, I was thinking, you know, is Vince not the guy? Uh, is there something we don't really know about the Cody Vince, uh, sorry, Cody Triple H relationship? Perhaps. Um, but in the in the scrum after, Cody alluded to the fact that it wasn't like a direct shot at Triple H. He, he actually did it because Triple H is kind of inheriting the throne and Cody wants to establish that he's still going to wrestle a lot, which I thought, have you just thought of that on the spot? Or I don't know, but... Um, didn't seem like a fitting explanation to, <laughs> to what had gone down, but you know, it, to, to everyone there, it was just a bit. I, I thought that was maybe over the top, but I don't, I don't hate it. You know, I just don't think it was potentially necessary. My, um, my feeling on it is that if it's a one-off for this event, then it's funny and we're over it and we've moved on. If this becomes a regular feature that they do WWE jabs wherever they can get them in over the next six months. You know, we know of the three pay-per-view level events coming up, the Fighter Fest, the uh, the event in Jacksonville, uh, the gun violence one, and then now all out in Chicago, which we're hoping to be in attendance at, kind of figuring out the uh, the details of that as we speak. Well, well qu- quickly on that, Tony Khan was saying, I think all out is the actual next pay-per-view. The others, they're still working out streaming and things like that so as far as um aew's pay-per-view plan goes though at the moment they're, they're going to do quarterly um, i i think they would be smart to make those other two events free to try and lure people in and keep them to you know five matches two hours and like make them free to stream events to to hook people into the product who may not have spent sixty seventy dollars in the states or or fifteen quid here. And by the way, they mentioned the UK audience a lot on the broadcast. You know, we talked a lot about 
in the build-up, Tony Khan obviously loves the UK. SCU gave us a big plug, as did old Rikishi. Uh, not related to AW, but just he loves the UK, apparently. They mention the UK a lot on the programme as well, so it's clear that they recognise it's a big market here. Yeah, well, and they have to, really. Uh, I've said this, this to you before. It's, you know, WWE think with NXT UK that they're placating the UK audience. They think that giving them, a, you know, a few takeovers a year will quench the hunger that we've had to get a major pay-per-view in the country. But it, it won't. Like, as good as those NXT UK takeovers are, it's not a SummerSlam. It's not like a major, a major event uh, where all the big stars come out. And that is where AEW will see a gap in the market. And they know that they've had the support of the UK audience through their you know, independent journeys already. So, uh, you know, and the UK audience is hungry for good wrestling. So it all works out. And, and to be honest, I think they'd be extremely smart to capitalise on that. Um, <laughs> something that's just literally breaking as we're speaking now. Uh, you're off to StarCast shortly. Um, StarCast have cancelled the live Talk is Jericho event. And oh, yeah. I don't know if you've seen the um, the, the video that he posted I last have. night of him stood in front of the screen just shaking his head while they were, you know, patting themselves on the back and coming out to talk to the audience after the broadcast had gone off air. But uh, he's really pushing this. Like, he's literally tweeted it as, uh, no thank you, no StarCast events, as a quote tweet to it. He is buying into <laughs> this in a massive... Like, there's fans tweeting how upset and disappointed they are, and he's tweeting it going, tough luck, buddy. <laughs> he, he actually posted a video a few hours ago um, explaining this, just saying there's not. He, he was saying that, that you, you can have your talk with Jericho, but I'm not going to be there. It's like, <laughs> okay. Did anyone think he looked absolutely buggered last night? Towards the end, he, uh, he, he de- but I think that was part of the storytelling. Like it was meant to be. The problem is, is and let's let's well let's do this let's get into the card and let's almost go top to bottom because people want to hear about the big stuff first okay before we do that there is more breaking news about chris jericho <laughs> okay go on he's um he's selling his house in odessa florida for 1.149 million dollars <laughs> what is that breaking news i don't know i just searched chris jericho and that's the latest news story that's come up brilliant perfect oh, press <laughs> that's yeah. what we do He's, for um, you here deliver you the big news stories thank you to blabbermouth.net for breaking that exclusive story <laughs> uh, right yeah let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and we'll break down the card how would you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. You're listening to the Pro Wrestling Show with TalkSport and our friends at Wrestling Travel. Uh, they've been doing a brilliant job over these few days. Lots of fans getting to go out and watch AEW Live and be part of that experience. So uh, do check them out if you're thinking about going to watch a wrestling event outside of the UK or, or even in the UK. They do um, various deals, hotels and tickets and all sorts of bits and pieces as well. Um, uh, AMAC and John, let's get into the card then. And I, I said let's start with the top. Let's start with that main event. Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega, and we'll we'll get to Moxley in a moment. Jericho going over, I get why it makes sense in terms of the, the, the it makes it one and one. It leads to a rubber match. I still feel a little bit reticent about having Kenny Omega, his first big appearance on an American brand, not being like a big showcase for him. And I was wondering to myself whether or not there are talents at the level in this company who could put on the kind of match where Dave Meltzer's going to give it seven stars or whatever he does when he faces, you know, Okada and Ibushi and everyone else. But I, I, I actually started to talk myself into the idea of what I actually quite like is the idea that Kenny will also then go on and lose to John Moxley, and they build this kind of, like they do to the Carter when he lost the belt in New Japan, that it's all hype and he's got nothing to back it up with and then build him up from there to, to like, a good bit of long-term storytelling. In terms of the match itself, it wasn't the best match of the night, probably wasn't as good as their New Japan match, but I like the story they told. Yeah, I thought it was a good story. Uh, it was entertaining to watch and I felt given the match that preceded it the young bucks and how high energy and entertaining that was that they had their work cut out anyway uh, and you know and jericho said in the scrum that they intentionally made it a more violent hard-hitting match as a result of that but looking at why omega lost for me it sets up a natural rubber stamp between the two that that, that can go down you know, down the road, you've got one win each. That's a natural selling point right there. Jericho kind of needs to justify everything he's been saying about being the, the top drawer and launching the company. And Omega has time to be the top guy. And I think the long-term story with him is a much more natural fit. You know, for, for the, you, we said this ourselves on the, on the last pod. For the first show, you probably needed Jericho to get the win and get people talking in that regard. I am. Um, what I don't want to now see 
is because for a lot of people this was their first chance to see Omega and it was a great way of doing a match but I'm excited to people to, for people to see what he can do with somebody closer to his age when they can go for 20-25 minutes and it's just the pace of Kenny Omega matches always absolutely stunned me um, the I, I now think that Jericho in his role it was interesting in the scrum afterwards that he said that you know, uh, he's almost admitted he's not going to be a week-in, week-out TV presence. He's going to be much closer to a, a Brock Lesnar-type special event-type talent. And that I know his deal is still open for him to work with New Japan and stuff as well. So I do think that when it comes to that title, I'd be surprised if Paige doesn't win it when they do that maybe at All Out or whenever that match does happen that's been set up. Um, and obviously what's great is that you've got, with Moxley coming in at the end you've now got a kind of natural four top guys who can all feud with each other over the next few months until we get to regular TV. So you have Where would you like to see... Oh. It would be Moxley Omega, right? You would have thought so. John, sorry, you were saying... Yeah. I was going to say, will, will that Omega-Jericho match come before then? Probably not. They'll probably... Um, you know, they've left it 18 months since the last one. They'll probably leave it again. Wouldn't it be good if that third and final decider... Alpha Omega was actually in the UK <laughs> because then they can say that that as they've they've done it on three different continents. I thought that'd be pretty yeah. cool um, as a as an absolute supermark. So that'd be good. But yeah, you've got to think it'll be that it'll be Moxie versus uh, Omega at All Out. Surely, I was also going to say that you say about um, about Kenny Omega losing, but surely having him against the one the sort of latest crossover person being Dean Ambrose slash John Moxley. Surely having a feud with him is gonna make the WWE audience that really don't know anything about Kenny Omega, they're gonna make him take note because he's working with that guy that they know that's just left that thing that they've watched until they've tried this alternative, if that makes sense. Yeah. And look, yeah, I think uh, that works. I sit in a, a place of relative ambivalence about John Moxley. I, I like the signing and the fact that the way they did it, the way he came in at the end. I mean, Al, you were telling us that there were murmurings around, but nothing kind of confirmed around Starcast and around the build-up events. But you know, the, the, the introduction, the way they did it, was fantastic. To have him look so strong against both Jericho and Omega, brilliant. I've been ambivalent to him because I didn't really like his approach in WWE. I think he came out of something like CZW and then did NXT and, and was, uh, of anyone, if not vocally, seemed to be the most frustrated with what his character was doing, but maybe didn't have the right approach to that. I didn't find his in-ring product particularly exciting as well. And yet in the space of... 30 seconds of him entering the ring before he'd laid hands on anyone. Just his approach, his facials, the way he got into the ring, the way it was like we went back to the Moxley of the indie days where he was this sl genuinely slightly crazed character and they genuinely could sell him in their kind of stone-cold type role. You never know which way he's going to go with things, that tweener role. And, and do you know what? They made me care about him in, a, in, in the space of three minutes more than I have done for maybe the last three years. Yeah, but I think a lot of... You know, he, he obviously he looked so happy. <laughs> like <laughs> I, I can't, I can't express that enough. He looked so joyous doing what he was doing, and um, you have to believe that he's just so much more comfortable. Uh, and the th all the things we we spoke about earlier about taking the shackles off and AEW being more of a throwback, you know, albeit a moderated um, modern version of a company, they all fit into the Moxley character far more than than he ever probably wanted to do in wwe yes it was cool that he had the shield 
that is a legacy thing that that will will stay with him forever. But in terms of uh, getting to do the things he wanted to do in ring and program wise, you have to believe he he just got frustrated with WWE in the end, where AEW represents the perfect place and the perfect outlet for him to be who he wants to be. And that has to be the draw. And it's definitely not about money, is it? Like as much as Tony Khan can throw bundles of cash towards him. Um, you know, I, I truly believe it's always been the creative angle that he's had the biggest issue with. So I, mm-hmm. I, I do hope we see like more from him, and I am excited to see what we see from him. While we're talking about this match, that obviously sets up that that championship match. We had the presentation of the belt, very old school classic, gold on black, very similar actually to the IWGP heavyweight belt. Nothing. It didn't make me go like I didn't melt in my chair in excitement, but it was nice. It was fine. Um, what I did enjoy was obviously Bret Hart was a fantastic surprise in itself. Uh, and then MJF's promo for that, which not only did I get excited about because then Jimmy Havoc got to come out and do something that wasn't just the Battle Royale, which got yeah. me excited for the idea that they might use him really well. But MJF's entire promo there, um, I watched it with Andrew McIntosh, a friend of ours who's very much a WWE guy and came to Mania last year. And that's when we first introduced him to some of the indie shows when we were out there. He, like, fell in love with him within about 10 seconds. And so I was just like, yeah, expect a lot more of this because he's great. I got serious <laughs> Miz vibes. Yes. Uh, and, and I mean that in the nicest way possible. Um, he's incredibly great at being grating, but it's so phenomenally entertaining. Um, you know, it, it's, I've said this to you this weekend, out of everyone, heat-wise... MJF had the most of everyone at Starcast and and last night. And uh, as far as being over, I mean, no one got the pop Ambrose got, but uh, Smiley Kylie Ray, she she also is extremely <laughs> over. So it's um, she is like Bailey if Bailey was actually genuinely popular. You know, <laughs> still there you go. Yeah, not allowed to say that. That upsets people, as we found out when Cody Rhodes made a joke about it. Um, mm. Let's hear from. Uh, to a couple of the guys involved in that from uh, Chris Jericho and from Hangman Page. Chris Jericho is doing the, the kind of media scrums. You'll hear questions from Chris Vlett and, and Kenny McIntosh and various other people. And then there's a few questions that we got in with Hangman Page. First of all, reacting to, you know, getting to face Jericho in the championship match. And then you'll hear Al's couple of questions as well. I want to ask you about because main event tonight was the biggest spot in the show, or one of them. And, you know, at the end, people were just like really happy leaving the building. How did you feel like it went? Well, the main event is not one of the biggest spots in the show. It's the biggest spot of the show. That's why it's called the main event. That's the uh, that's the secret behind it. So, I mean, I think the show tonight really proved a point from start to finish that AEW is a legit contender for uh, the alternative to every other wrestling company uh, going on in the world today. Very fresh. I think the fact that we have a, a brain trust of people in their 30s uh, are people that think that they're in their 30s um, I know that it's a whole fresh attitude here and it's not just me coming over from from WWE throwing Dean Malenko and John Moxley and Jim Ross and Dustin Rhodes and all of us have the exact same attitude which is this is so exciting so much fun uh, because it's what wrestling is supposed to be we are artists uh, we are creative people and I find in the past there's a lot of other people's opinions that 
we shouldn't have to deal with when it comes to putting together a show or putting together a match or putting together a character because nobody knows what's better for my character than me and no one has to write anything for me to say because I know what to say. And I think tonight really showed how exciting it can be when you have a bunch of people with uh, similar mindsets and um, a whole kind of contingency of fans that are looking for something extra, something something an alternative. Like I said, there's nothing wrong with giving people a choice. And we have now established that AEW gives you a choice if you're a wrestling fan. Chris, as someone who used to be in WWE, what did you think of Cody's entrance with the sledgehammer in the throne? Uh, I'm not sure I saw it because I was too busy getting ready for, for, for my match. But... Um, once again, you've got a lot of guys with very uh, great ideas, and I know for my entrance tonight, I believe that was Cody's idea as well. That then we take you know take the lead and, and kind of all work on it together. So it's part of wrestling. It's something that Cody understands, and, and all of us do. That the pomp and circumstance of wrestling is sometimes the best part. Uh, throw in some great matches and some great stories behind it like you saw tonight and then just some athletes from another planet it seems we really have a diverse roster and I think tonight's show proved that I mean I really enjoyed the one match I did see was the the six woman Joshi girls match never seen any of them before probably couldn't even tell you any of their names um, but I know that when the match was on I sure did enjoy it and there was no restraints on them to go and be you uh, well, who would watch six Japanese girls they'd never heard of before? Well, the crowd tonight seemed to like them, and I'm sure most people watching at home did. So that's just another example of, like, if you're good and you have passion and you know how to put on a show and put on a great match, well, give us a call and we'll give you a, give you a shot. A lot's been said about the success of AEW kind of hinging on attracting a last fan. Tonight, obviously, I would say it was a great first step in drawing those eyes in. Talk to me about what the process is for continuing to draw those fans back who have become disenfranchised with what they've been watching. Well, I think it's just, once again, you have to show people that this is a different mindset. Um, I think a lot of times, especially when you think about, okay, let's think about wrestling. Well, that's WWE. Think about, you know, uh, a soda. Well, that's Coca-Cola. Think about, you know... Uh, rock and roll that's who are Rolling Stones we have to let them know that we're not uh, saying that you shouldn't listen to the Stones but if you want to listen to another band that's got a different mindset come give us a try if you like this then see if you like us as well and I think it's one of the main reasons um, why it was so important for me to sign with AEW is that you got a guy who everybody who's a wrestling fan knows people that are watching now, the people that watched 10 years ago, the people that watched 20 years ago. When there was 14 million wrestling fans watching, Chris Jericho was on the TV. So I think it'll be like, what's Jericho's in this AEW? What's this AEW? Well, Jericho's there. A, we like him. B, we used to like him. C, I remember watching him. Let's give it a try. And then when they come and see Chris Jericho's match, then they learn who Kenny Omega is and the Young Bucks and the Lucha Brothers and you know everybody else that was on the show that had such a great performance tonight. It's the same thing that happened when I went to New Japan with Kenny as well. A lot of people went to check out that product because of me, and then when they got there, they realized that it was a lot of fun uh, with a different style. AEW uh, kind of takes that same concept and moves it even a thousand times more because I think we have the three things you need for a wrestling company to be successful or any company in entertainment is uh, the financial backing check that box off is the uh, television you know the, the way to get uh, people's eyeballs on it we've got that and then having a great roster of talent that all has a similar mindset and what I like the best 
is a lot of these people, wrestling fans in the States, have never heard of before. Who's Kenny Omega? And then when they see him, they're going to go, who is this guy? He's amazing. He's a 15-year overnight sensation. He's been working all, you know, his whole career overseas and all these other places. When he comes here to the States, people are going to go nuts for him. And we have a whole roster of those type of guys. Then throw in a Jericho, throw in a John Moxley, and a huge surprise, which was so exciting for all of us involved. Um, and you just have a, once again, there's nothing wrong with giving people a choice. We're doing things a different way. But I know what I want to see as a wrestling fan. And this company is what I'm looking for as a fan. You got a message for Jericho? For Jericho? Oh, shit. Um, you know, I, I I know what he's he's, he's thinking. I know what he's going to say. I'm, I'm new to this arena. I'm new to this uh, level of prestige. My whole career, I've sat uh, like a quarterback in waiting. I sat behind Cody. I sat behind Matt and Nick, behind Kenny. All those matches in Japan, and I've learned more from them watching for the past several years than I think he might realize. So I've I've got my chance now. It takes three seconds, and I've never won anything more in my life. So three seconds. Jericho came out and said he wants to thank you for everybody on the roster. Are you gonna give him a thank you? Oh hell no! <laughs> I mean, I'm supposed to thank him for no uh, hard no. Hard no. And what was it like having that segment with Bret Hart tonight? Um, I mean, I can't say anyone, anyone really saw it coming. No, I didn't either. I didn't know about it until today. Really? <laughs> so, no, that was awesome. Um, and, like, you know, I said this earlier. Um, I, I feel like, like to me, all elite wrestling has always been real. It's always been, like, the most important thing in the world since it's been a thing to me. But to maybe a casual wrestling fan who, who is just now discovering us, um, I feel like having Brett there to present the title lends it some legitimacy to the fans who don't know us as well. So maybe that this will feel as important to them as it th- has always felt to me. Last question. Uh, yes. Yeah. your reaction, sorry, to um, the Moxley title at the end? And oh, yeah. That's a, the whole yeah, that surprised me. Um, <laughs> man, I don't know. Uh, welcome to the game. Hopefully I'll uh, see you soon. Hangman Page, Chris Jericho, uh, you know, Lots of excitement. I really liked his little when he went into promo mode at the very end there, Hangman Page, and did the kind of "Welcome to the game." Hopefully, I'll see you soon. It was fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, as an interviewer, I was hoping for a bit more. I'm not going to lie, <laughs> but, <laughs> but but yeah, uh, they were like, "Last question." I was thinking, "All right, give me something good here for Moxley." Uh, and he goes, "You know," he said, "He said that he only found out about Bret Hart on the day," which I thought, which I think is is quite cool. He was obviously at Starcast and. AEW, you know, thought why not? Um, in terms of uh, Moxley, Page was also making out. He only found out about that on the day, which I don't. He obviously, he's, like you said, he went into promo mode, didn't he? So he started. Uh, you know, you have to imagine they're going to meet down the road. You've already said the top four superstars are kind of solidified already, uh, and you know the, the matchups that are available there. I'm down for. Yeah. Hundred um, percent. Should we move on and talk? So we're going to work our way backwards through the card. I think this is how this is yeah, kind of fallen apart. Uh, the the tr- tr- how did uh, Justin thingy keep saying it? The Trouble Ah uh, <laughs> Tag Team Championship match. We we you were both slightly surprised by this. Matt, a Mac. We'd both been in agreement beforehand that we thought the Lucha Bros would would win the titles back from the Young Bucks, but the Bucks end up going over. Um, how did the match come off? Come off in arena. Yeah, I mean, obviously, some of the spots were just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, some of the stuff that uh, Ray Phoenix in particular, uh, Jesus Christ, that guy, um, he's innovative as they come. Um, Pentagon has got the stiffest calf kicks I think I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> they're just, as, as a duo, they really, you know, the synergy is incredible. And uh, you know what you're going to get with the Bucks. You know, they are innovative. You know, the, the very definition of the word innovative. Um, I like the way that in on being the elite, they have kind of moaned about, not you know, bit getting rusty and not having enough matches, and and that showed early in the match where they had a few miscues and and they hit each other and things like that. Um, and I liked it that, and this goes for the main event as well. They 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 the Melter driver put them away, okay, but they didn't. You know, it's not like in the WWE where there be three or four finishes and kickouts. It was like the finisher happened, bang, and that's the end. You say um, that. I thought the only thing that held this match back for me from being as good as the the previous match, the one we're going to get to next, the only thing that held it back ever so slightly, because it was really entertaining, really fun, like you say, great spots, was that they maybe over-relied a little too much on false finishes. And if I'm going to justify that good reason for it, is because, again, you get drama from storytelling. That's what you've got with, with Dustin and Cody. This isn't yeah. a story that necessarily the average fan will know, so they maybe relied a bit on... Build, 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 build. One, two, no, kick out. And that happened maybe two or three times just too many for me where I stopped buying the false finishes. No, I, I get I get that. That's kind of a hallmark of the Young Bucks, really, when you, you, know, you look at the body of work. But, you know, uh, like I said, for me, a finisher is a finisher. And if some, you know, it, when you have a great finisher that no one kicks out of, I, I want it to mean something. In WWE these days, who has a finisher that as soon as it happens, you're dead to rights? Maybe the RKO, um, mm, F5. You don't, you don't see many well, unless you're unless you're Roman Reigns. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, yeah. And, and actually, you saw, it, you, you, you saw it across the thing yesterday, I was going to say. So uh, Jericho had uh, it with his new... Uh, and actually, do you know what? I'll hold my hands up. Looked a lot more brutal in person and a lot more realistic. I saw the video on Instagram and thought, oh, I'm not sure this is going to work. This is going to feel a bit yeah. like Seth's knee version of the Rainmaker that was terrible. Um, yeah. But actually, it really worked for me. Like, strike finishers are hard to do. But you saw it, like, the whole story with that match was... Kenny trying to land the one-winged angel and Jericho being the wily veteran, having it ready, knowing reversals, having it scouted throughout. So, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think, like you say, I hope they do protect finishers. They yeah, did. Uh, it, it, there was it, one it, bit where JR, um, and now I won't have heard this, where JR literally went, oh, you don't kick out of... And literally the guy kicked out and he went, oh, no, no, apparently you do, or something like that. <laughs> and that was like, oh. Oh, oh maybe you do. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's what I mean. It's like, a little bit the, the Young Bucks, obviously, they've got such um, a high repertoire that, it, you know, there's going to be a lot of false finishes. And, you know, some of the spots look so spectacular that you could buy. That, that, especially, especially if you're not familiar with their work and you don't know what the finishes are, um, you could buy that. would be the end of the match. But I liked it. I found it very entertaining. I, I, you know, if, if you look at the tag division in WWE and you look at the tag, tag matches we had last night, in terms of time action i i just don't i don't really see how wwe can is there is there a better tag match in wwe this year than the young bucks last night Uh, (laughs) off the top of my head i don't know that there has been uh yeah no but there probably hasn't been that's fair there probably hasn't been but is this the point where we talk about greg hamilton from wwe who tweeted basically (laughs) saying yeah it's good i I love what aew are doing and i'm really enjoying the event but the usos are the best 
And I was thinking, how long is it going to be if he leaves that tweet up before we see uh, WWE has come to terms on the release of Greg Hamilton? Yeah, uh, but he deleted it. In, even in the time it took to send to you guys, he did delete that tweet where but, he said he was enjoying AEW. But, uh, but wow, that's pretty foolish, isn't it? He wasn't by any stretch of the imagination the only one doing it last night. No. Sasha Christ, Banks tweeted a bunch of, of positive stuff about AEW. Um, yeah. Naomi did as well. Yeah. There were, I saw stuff popping up left, right, and centre. So, you know, these are the fact is these are guys who know each other. They worked on the indies. They're excited for each other. Like I saw the guys from Pro Wrestling Eve getting so excited about the um, the Yoshi match because those are guys they've all brought in and worked with, and you know, have all played in that lovely little railway siding in East London, and now out there in front of twelve thousand people and. You know, there's good reason to get excited for this. And, you know, I hope that the Lucha Brothers are, are going to be... I know that they are not exclusive AEW, but you just hope they stick around because what we saw from Stronghearts, what we saw from SCU, you mentioned the Best Friends and Jack Evans match, like, and then Helico. Like, there's great tag division there to be had if they stick around to TV. It's just that thing of when it becomes week-in, week-out TV. Yeah, who have you got? But yeah. I mean, it's, it's like you just said, um, in terms of you know superstars being happy for each other and all stuff it's not really the same as WCW WWF back in the day where it was like real tension fighting you know fighting for your life stuff I, I think that the WWE talent you know I want this as much as anyone else because they're sick of how the environment you know if you listen to the stories about the morale there it seems that they're, they're kind of tired of how it is in WWE this is the injection that everyone needs I think you know it's good it's, it, to a point it's good for WWE as much as anyone um the Cody Dustin match, and we've alluded to it plenty throughout this, but this is a match that in my head I had as like a a three to three and a half star match was going to easily be the one that kind of let me down of the ones that were involving the uh, the the vice presidents. That even though it was the brother story, they hadn't had much time to tell it. Yada yada yada, and it was absolutely stunning. Just just, just like even with the. I didn't quite feel comfortable with some of the spots once it, once uh, once Dustin was bleeding quite that heavily. It was like Jimmy Havoc at Super Strong Style level blood at times. But, man, was it emotional. And the, the stuff afterwards. I mean, that tweet's done incredibly from our account because people were talking about how they shed a tear during it. John, did you shed a tear? Um, I didn't shed a tear. As you know, <laughs> I did fall asleep for large parts of... Uh, the beginning of Double or Nothing, and I did turn it on to see him, uh, to see Dustin literally like dripping blood, and it did give me flashbacks to having about four very warm beers at Progress, watching Jimmy Havoc <laughs> almost bleeding out, watching a tribute video to himself. So uh, yeah, I didn't shed a tear, but it was it was um, yeah the blood. Why is the bl- why is all their blood last night? Why was it so bright? Was it the lights? Good settings. They, they just figured it yeah. out. Perfect. That's what it is. I just wonder if it was my TV or not. The what, what was it like? What was the reaction to that in the in the arena, mate? Oh, mate, the crowd were with it every step of the way. I mean, you could probably tell that from home. I hope it translated through the TV anyway, because the atmosphere was just incredible. Um, it was just, uh, do you know what? It, it was perfectly booked that ending part. You know, like the video that we've tweeted. Um, the fans wanted it after that performance. You know, Dustin Rhodes proved a hell of a lot. You know, he's barely had a match in the past two or three years in WWE. Barely had any kind of run. And and then he just pulls that out of the bag, you know. And and, and the story that he told, the nods to Dusty, the nods to Stardust, um, you know, all of these things, 
it just culminated in in, in a perfect match. And, and I think the fact that you know Dustin Rhodes, you know, doing bloody um, Swanton bombs off the apron and rubbish, you know, it's like, hang on, you know, he, he all that <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, uh, they, you know, they gave the he gave the fans everything they had, and you know, and they definitely appreciated it. It was it was one of them where when when it was over, it was just masterful and. And the crescendo got even better because the, that was the post-match stuff just really made the angle feel so complete. Yeah. I, I just, I can't sing this. If I'm going to say there's one match to watch from last night, that, that if you're only going to watch one, you shouldn't only watch one. That would be madness. But that is the, the one which really tipped it over the edge for me from, wow, what, I, what a great day you show uh, to Dave, just a great show. Dave Meltzer was in the, in the scrum and uh, Dustin Rhodes outright asking for a six star rating so <laughs> let's see uh, let's see what let's see what he gets oh that's fantastic oh that's absolutely wonderful and i like that they're doing a, a little tag match as well as well i like I, I, there was real feel that that could be a retirement match but uh, so they go on um the the yoshi match now I, i'm really intrigued for the you guys who haven't seen maybe as much of these guys what you made of all of this because it was what stood out for me was they were allowed to go out and work their style of wrestling. There was no like, right, you're coming over to an American program. You are now going to, you know, draw back on the comedy and the cutesy stuff and the fun stuff. They were allowed to go out there and just do their thing and felt to me like the crowd bought into it. I really enjoyed it. I mean, I'm more interested to hear what Al has to say. <laughs> Swift deflection. I like it. Um, no, I... I Again, I, I honestly I can't say I've seen a match from any one of these women before last night. Uh, I knew a little bit about Age Kong and, and, and all these things, but um, the the action you know, they won me over so quickly. Um, all all women had such charisma, you know. Especially, I think Yuka uh, Sakazaki. I want to say that's her name. Immediately, she she was in there, uh, even from the entrance, and I thought, God, you know, I was, I was hooked on them straight away as characters, which you know is is the whole point of the business, really. But the the action was just so well paced uh, and nice. You know, I, I really, really loved it up until kind of the finishing sequence that we've spoke about where there was a, a really bad missed springboard sequence. It's actually um, Sakazaki who's meant to do the springboard and break up the pin when she starts leaping at like three, basically. Yeah. So the, the timing is all <laughs> off. Um, and the ref doesn't call it <laughs> which makes it terrible and then they ring the bell anyway and then the ref has to go no no it's a two and it's like ah like it just it just kind of ruined that um which had been a real fun match you even for them more than anything you wanted them to be able to finish it properly but the, other than the, that I the, thought it was brilliant the, the confusion i'll tell you the confusion because uh, uh, you like uh, uh, and this is it happens when you go to live events absolutely understand now that is there was the springboard instant the actual that wasn't the instant where they rang the bell there was the springboard instant that they broke up and then there was another pin about a minute later where it yes, went to sorry, a right. four count in air quotes what happened was as the referee went to ground to start the the count she hit the mat really hard going down as if that was the first count and then she went one two kick out but what you hear as a fan is one two three kick out that's what you saw and heard even though it wasn't what was intended and then there was the false bell and it was it was a real shame that that i think the referee managed to kind of just about pull it off but she was really good i thought 
in that she just did she literally just stared at the timekeeper and kept the two fingers yeah. up and just stared and Said it was no. like intense it's like no you're starting this again <laughs> it was i thought i was very good she handled it really well mm. uh the uh the best friends uh beat jack evans and angelico former triple a champions um you know I, this was for me the, pri- the the primest of prime examples of a match that had to rely on the action alone because there was no real build to it and it was well not at the level of the stuff we saw later in the show for something that comes kind of mid card two three matches in it did everything it needed to do and and you know avoided being if you look at every match on this card this easily could have been the cool down match and was still entertaining it's funny how trent beretta and uh, and chuck taylor have got the crowd on their uh <laughs> Hinging on their every move over over a hug, it's it's pretty fantastic. But <laughs> uh, you know, it, the, the action I thought w- was was very good. You know, a, a good pace, which which is what was needed. Um, it just, it, I even tweeted it. it. It makes you lust for some of the WWE teams to get a chance like that because even maybe uh, what do they go? Fifteen minutes, twenty minutes, like fifteen, I would say. It's you don't if you're not a tag title match in WWE then you're not getting that time. Even then, sometimes. Think of just two teams not competing for anything in a tag division in a WWE. They'll, they will never get over 10 minutes. We, we, really. we, saw it on, we saw it on TV last week when the Revival and the Usos went about 13, 14 minutes in a non-tag title match with no, oh, no silliness, and it was great. And you just mm, think, can't, how yeah. can you watch that and not think it's a good idea to do more of that? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought all four men in this match came off well, um, which really is the goal for, for a match in this place. Yeah. Jonna, have you not watched back any of these because you were asleep? <laughs> Shall I just not no, come back to you back. until the end? <laughs> Oi. No, I've watched them back. Um, I was a little bit disappointed that there was no dubstep uh, when they came in. It was a uh, little dubstep in. It was a little. It wasn't dubstep enough. It wasn't. It super, <laughs> certainly wasn't super bad. Um, that's that's a line right bad? there. It wasn't dubstepy enough. <laughs> I think it's that song. Yeah, it, I was. I was. Yeah, it just. It was like three star dubstep when I wanted five. But no, I, I really enjoyed the match, uh, as you say. And um, yeah, I, none of them. Like, although I was technically asleep for this one, as I say, <laughs> uh, none of the matches felt like I I could get that fifteen minute sleep. I had to power through once I had woken up, having fallen asleep before the pre-show. Um, the the women's match: Kylie Ray, Nyla Rose, Britt Baker, and eventually Awesome Kong. Um, I, what I will I really liked about the Awesome Kong tease is that Brandy Rhodes came out in wrestling gear, essentially teasing that she was mm-hmm. going to add herself into the match, uh, and then brings out Awesome Kong, and uh, again got a really good reaction. It, it suffered a little bit from the a bit of the multi-man, multi-woman match syndrome of sometimes there are people just lying on the outside doing nothing while spots are happening in the ring, which mm. uh, irks me maybe more than it should. Uh, like, you've got two absolute kind of monster types in Nyla Rose and Awesome Kong. There's no way Awesome Kong should be outside the ring doing nothing for four straight minutes, unless she's been put through a table or something. Yeah, I, I thought... I thought that was like their face-off was like a cool moment because the fans gave them what they would have obviously been after of that anticipation uh, and the build. Um, I think the right women won. To cut to that, I think Britt Baker is a star and you know a very very good worker. Um, I, I do I do have a soft spot for Smiley Kylie. Um, <laughs> That's become she, very she, clear, she, mate. She, I know she's just uh, she's just extremely likable. I don't really feel. Um, 
you know, how often is it said that a, a character is best when it's just them but dialed up? It kind of seems that that's the way with her. She really seems to be the character she portrays, and then that's you know that's very transferable. But then as the match grew on, and she was having the duels with Baker, you know, she wasn't being that smiley character. She was she was all in for one of a better term. So <laughs> it's you know I I enjoy it. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the progression of the match. So uh, the only yeah again I do have the stickler points like you where. Awesome Kong kind of took a you know a bump to the outside through the ropes. I think she was down for like five minutes. And I'm like, okay. Also, not really wasn't really clear like was Brandy Rhodes managing her? I, yeah, yeah I, no, I, I quite that was clearer on TV. I'll say I think that that she okay. was. I think she's going to be playing a bit of a, a heelish commissioner of the women's division essentially like there's a bit of whether it's actually straight up you know uh, authority style or whether it's more her just wanting to get in there and mess stuff up it was uh, there was definitely a feeling that she was root not necessarily managing but certainly root- rooting for awesome kong yeah okay makes sense and uh, um well, I was gonna, I was going to say that with Smiley Kylie, just because Al obviously is such a massive fan of Smiley Kylie now, I quite liked <laughs> that when Awesome Kong came out and the others were all losing it and looking worried, she was just keeping up her character so well and just kind of like waving and smiling, just being like, "Oh, who are you? Like a new friend," uh, which I thought was very funny. She did that very well. Also, quickly, I, w- I didn't mention this um, in the in the main event, the um, the Cracker Barrel. Do you think? Did you see that, Al, where basically they had a cracker I did. barrel? Jer- I did. Jericho it, had to they get it out, didn't it. But surely, was that planned? Because then Cracker Barrel get a little bit more attention than they would have done if it was just in the background and everyone's going, why is there a Cracker Barrel? What who, do you think? If it was, who cares because Jericho sold it so well and managed to make it part of his character? Yeah. Like, uh, fine. I think it's fine. True. You know, either way, the referee was having a torrid. Either way. Ugh, a bit of a rough time of it. Bit of a rough time of it. What we did get with Brandy Rhodes as well, and uh, there was a costume change between this and the, uh, the Rhodes match later, uh, was uh, Earl Hebner with a, a classic throw them to the back thing. Uh, you know, wheeling the arms and pointing, and I, <laughs> that was that was a top moment for me. That's up there with uh, submit like with submission holds where you have to hold up the arm three times and see if it drops. Uh, and on the third, <laughs> they just keep it off the floor and then fight back. That's one of those oh, spots. Come back, brother! I will always pop for no matter how bad a match has been, no matter how uninvested I am in the wrestlers involved. Uh, if they do that spot or they do uh, send them to the back with the proper referee reaction. That's fine with me. I'm good. <laughs> uh, the show kicked off with SCU Stronghearts, and look, we've talked about the strength of the uh, of the tag division throughout this. The, it was 14 minutes, real sprint. The 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 Stronghearts, the the Chinese side of things, uh, Shima uh, and and their group. Well, sorry, Oriental uh, OWE as it is, were absolutely superb and delivered on what we'd been told the style was which was very quick very you know not spot heavy but lots of very high flying fast moves and you know what SCU even the older chaps stood up to it and I thought they had a banger Frankie Kazarian is um, a beast sorry sorry, the delay is is hilarious Um, yeah I just wanted to say that Frankie Kazarian I've not watched too many matches of his really um, not compared to Will Uh, I've generally watched a lot of Christopher Daniels before but Christ when he does quite basic moves he does not have put a bit of oomph into it which just really sort of sells his character even more doesn't he yeah I like I like Kazarian um you know the, I was saying this to Will the other day I think the addiction are one of the best tag teams of the last decade to be fair 
and um, I thought they brought it. You know, a lot of people might not know Scorpio Sky as well, but I thought even he stepped up uh, and put in a good performance. I thought Seema was positioned to be the the, the kind of star of of uh, of that group, and he, he came off really well. Uh, it was a real fun opener, and, and, and when you look back at the card now, in retrospect, I think it actually did a really good job of setting the tone. Yeah, hundred percent. And look, we we can, uh, I think we can gloss over the, the pre-show a little bit and say, look, having Kip Sabian go over, well done, you called it, Al. Um, was great for the UK and, and I thought it was a nice entertaining match like as a as a kind of build up match the, the Battle Royal we had Jimmy Havoc and Tommy Dreamer with staple guns and that was enough for me you just laughing at my little hiccup um, uh, MJF like there was enough in the oh god uh, it's all gone wrong no way <laughs> Uh, it's it's all gone it's it's all gone horribly wrong. Uh, I tried to rush it and I obviously rushed it too much. I'm getting my drink. It's fine. It's all going to be fine. We're going to get through it, guys. Uh, I, and look, I just think now is a time to reflect and look forward. Very exciting stuff about the possibility of this of this product coming over to the UK. And I know you got a chance to to have a little off air chat with with your mate Tony. How how was Tony and how was the after party, Al? Come on, spill spill the beans. <laughs> well, I'll start with Tony, um, and he was, you know, he was so forthcoming and affable. You know, he did the media, but then it's not as if he was like, okay, guys, I've got to go. Like as soon as he stopped doing that, he basically, you know, went around the room and, and started talking to to you know anyone who wanted to talk to him, which was obviously everyone. Um, but I just introduced myself and said, you know, obviously I work for Talksport in the UK, which he's very familiar with, given his Fulham ties. Um, and I said, you know, it'd be Probably great. Probably not a fan of because of that. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, this is it. He, he, <laughs> we do I have a tendency to, to rub people up the wrong way, it's fair to say. Yeah, I, well, I mean, I don't want to be tied with Durham's brush, but yeah. <laughs> Either way, we had, uh, I said to to Tony, it'd be great if when you do have news on the UK pay-per-view, you know, would you come on TalkSport? And you know, and reveal that, and talk about it. And he said he would, uh, only if we didn't ambush him with Fulham questions. So um, that was a caveat he carried. And I said I'll do my best, <laughs> but no, no promises. Um, but he did say that they're definitely, you know, one thousand percent. There's going to be a UK pay per view, probably annually. And uh, he, he said that there's no arena or date lockdown at the moment, but it is going to happen. Ba- basically, when TV's in full flow, it's going to be on the agenda. And as I mentioned earlier, there's going to be four pay-per-views a year at the moment, quarterly. So it's interesting to see the model come together. But uh, yeah, to- Tony Khan is very, very, very cool. Uh, and I think he knows the importance of uh, of getting in with the media early doors. I, I, will, I will say something. I know, you know... Uh... Uh, the, I haven't had triple sourced, but I have heard from two different people with some knowledge of the potential situation that something in the UK might happen before the TV show starts. That is all I can say right now. <laughs> but I'll but tell isn't you. isn't all out all out all out will be happening just prior to the TV? I deal. thought the TV deal was not <laughs> until I thought that wasn't kicking off until. Basically, uh, SmackDown moved over to Friday, oh, so like late October. Yeah, so we're talking about there could be something in September, for example, before the TV thing yeah, happens. Yeah, I, I guess they, I guess they could be. It could be. It's not. It's not out of question. But he made it sound like one of their big four pay per views would be in the UK, not just an event, not just like Fighter Fest or the Fight for the Fallen. 
one of their big ones. So I don't know. You know, it's, who knows? If they can do it properly and have that, they have events or tournaments or ever like I'm going. I'm directly going to the New Japan style here, but really, outside of the 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 Battle of the Super Juniors, the G1, outside of that, it is Dominion and Wrestle Kingdom, and they have other events through the years that generally, like I say, are the build up at the end of tournaments. But it's not like they're doing pay-per-views every month or every two months. I think they could do it in the right way so that those feel like incredibly special occasions. And just as I was about to throw to them, they, uh, they've both disappeared. So <laughs> I think that we've had a bit of a technical issue. I'll just finish up my thought. My point is, is that sometimes doing fewer pay-per-views actually makes TV more watchable because it's more of an event. Sometimes with the pay-per-view schedule of other TV shows... The uh, the fact is, is you feel like you can miss out on a couple of shows and you'll just catch up on it at the pay-per-view. You know, I like that WWE have moved away from the ads regular pay-per-views this year and have moved to uh, and are on their way to moving to much more. You know, everything is is a co-branded pay-per-view. We're not getting those times where there's going to be two or three weeks between one. That's the right move for me. I have no problem with AEW doing something similar. Now, we've gone super long. I did just want to hear from Tony Khan quickly at the very end here. So let's hear from the own principal owner and chair of AEW. Just a little mention of what he said about the possibility of doing a pay-per-view in the UK. But I expect we will be doing that. We've got great support in the UK, and we're, uh, we, we put a lot of effort into, into branding in the UK and done a lot of things. Uh, I'm really, really appreciative. Uh, my really good friend, Jack Whitehall, uh, has done a, a lot of help for us there. That's been really good. And uh, the spot we've, and support we've had from ITV has been amazing. So I do expect we will do a pay-per-view in the UK. I haven't, uh, I haven't booked the date for it, and I haven't booked the arena for it, but I, I think we'll do it, yeah. Any uh, comment on the uh, exclusivity or the length of Moxley? Uh, so he is a multi-year contract, and uh, he will be on a full-time deal. He's gonna when we go weekly, he's gonna be working full-time. But same as with some of the other guys, especially when the schedule's light, I'm gonna be open about him working some international and indie dates. But not he is full-time with us and uh, domestically, but you know he's essentially our guy. But yeah, I mean, he's gonna do some international indie stuff. But he's definitely an AEW full-time wrestler. Are you trying to going to handle your life with running a weekly TV show in the US and running a football team weekly, weekly games in the US? I have already been putting a lot of miles on, and I was at almost all of my games this past year in the UK uh, down the stretch. And uh, if you look back, uh, I think I was at 11 out of the last 12 games. And so, uh, I, and the only one I missed was uh, during the NFL draft, and I still follow the game super closely. And, uh, you know, we played very well and uh, actually won that game. And uh, Cardiff, uh, you know, uh, came down with us, and they're uh, shading through this year at our misery. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, it's going to be really hard, but it's not like uh, I haven't been doing it for a while now. Thank you so much for listening to the Pro Wrestling Show. I know it has been a super long show in the end today, so I really appreciate you taking the time out to uh, to listen to the whole thing, if you're still with us at this point. Thank you again to Wrestling Travel for taking Al out there and, and for helping us with getting all the content we've done, and hopefully it's the start of a beautiful friendship and we can do more work for them and vice versa in the future. As always, it really helps, guys, if you spread the word. Tweet about it, tell your wrestling friends, uh, you know, get, get on BritRest Twitter and, and you know, uh, just let everyone know that we're here and we're trying to do something different to what is already out there, hopefully. I know that it probably isn't that different, but, you know, I, we really enjoy what we're doing. We really love the feedback when we get it. The reviews on stuff like iTunes are absolutely massive for us. So thank you so much for listening. This has been The Pro Wrestling Show. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.